Hey guys, welcome to the Learn Feng Shui podcast, where you'll learn feng shui from a classical point of view, taking out the myth and superstition. So if you're interested in learning feng shui, Chinese astrology, all things Chinese metaphysics, as well as the superstitions and myths that connect it all, you'll enjoy learning feng shui with me. welcome to the best of episodes so to fill in some of my summer series while I take a little break um, I'll be slipping in a couple of old episodes and just some of my favorite and so I really liked the way this one came out it was about fence lines and feng shui so we tend to not think of fence lines and fences is part of our feng shui but it definitely is and it can have a big impact so let's go to the best of episode and talk about how fences can be good or bad feng shui hey guys looking at the topic of fence lines and fences we're starting now to consider doing some of these repairs and some of those may extend to our external environment around our home this summer so let's look at some things you can consider when you're looking at maybe putting in a new fence or changing the line of the fence around your home so let's just start off by kind of noting that the area around your home needs to have flow and air around it and um, think of it as a, maybe like a vent around your home or you know um, the circulation around your home just like you want circulation around your bed you want circulation around your desk you also want circulation around your home so the, doing things like building a fence too close to your home or way too high and tall can impede the flow of energy or chi around your home. So considering that, one of the things you wanna make sure you do is build a fence that is in proportion to the size of the land and the home. So I think everyone has kind of seen it where somebody builds a big old brick fence and they want to keep people out, you know, or those gated communities where they seem very elusive, you know, um, and maybe a fence line is just over towering over a house and you can't even see the home. Or consider this, if you have a big, big house and you have a little tiny fence that goes up to your knees, right? <laughs> so, so what do we want to look for when we're putting fences around our house? Um, I know my yard is fenced in. Uh, all the homes around where I live have fenced in yards and the trash truck comes through the alley behind our home. And so that's kind of how my home is set up. But however your home is set up, consider this when we're putting in fence lines. Let's look at a few different things that you need to note, okay? So let's consider an overbuilt fence. An overbuilt structure can actually make a, a person more conspicuous. So this goes to say like the big home on the block also. Do you have a house in your neighborhood that kind of seems out of place? Like maybe it's like the one giant house or like a big house in a sea of like tiny little houses. Or maybe you just always notice the biggest house in that neighborhood. I mean, obviously we're going to notice the biggest structures in our space. And overbuilding a fence and making it so huge you block out your neighbor's view and everything is just one, it's considered a jerk move. You don't want to do that. You want to be the jerk that blocks everybody's view with your fence line. And likewise, from a feng shui perspective, looking at having like the biggest house in the block or the biggest building in a building of, you know, a sea of sky rises, you're going to be the one that is most conspicuous. And this, these formations or these forms are actually not good. They actually make, it's like they 
make all eyes be on you. So everyone's looking at you. Everybody can see, you know, like who's that jerk that overbuilt that fence, you know, and you're going to have some haters. And this is what this kind of energy brings when you're like ridiculously overbuilding a fence for your space. So um, if it's in proportion also to the neighborhood, so we don't want to be the one that is out of proportion to the neighborhood and very conspicuous because you will attract some dirty looks. Walls and fences that are out of proportion to the property can also be a sign that something may be out of balance in the house. So kind of going back to our celestial guardians that I addressed in an earlier episode this year, um, looking at just kind of that, think of that tortoise backing or the higher back when we want in, in back. Think about the lower space and the lower open area we want in front. Think about the higher left side and think about the lower right side that we need. So that means if you are building a fence line that is too low in the back, that could mean that um, usually descendant luck, which is your luck or your ability to pass on wealth to your children can be affected and your ability to maintain and keep wealth can also be affected if your fence line is way too low in the back. So looking again at that that tortoise energy remember the back is supposed to be a little bit higher than the front and this can include a fence line or a row of trees so uh, generally you want your fence line to be at least as tall as the tallest member of your home i know fence lines around here we have wooden pickets and they're about six feet tall we're all little shorties in our house so we're good to go but you can raise your fence line higher if you have a larger two-story home a bigger lot or um, you're, you have a super tall family member. So remember, it's supposed to provide support to the family. So looking at the back fence line, you want it to be a little bit higher and a little bit bigger. But now looking at the right side, um, if your fence line is higher on the right side, remember that is the white tiger side. That is the feminine side of the home. So if you have either like really tall trees or a high fence line on that side, that could mean you live in a female dominated house or it could support the female or feminine energy of the house more than it supports a male energy of the home. If your fence line is higher on the left side, then you could feel a little more supported if you're the male breadwinner or like the man of the house. And the same holds true to if our fence line is so high in the front of our house that, you know, we can't see over it. Generally, you want your fence line to be in the front um, at least higher than your knee level. So you want that um, to be, you know, around knee level. You want the chi and energy to circulate in that Ming Tong where that red phoenix and that green dragon are supposed to come in to bring that energy. Again, referring to the celestial critters, right? So we want this chi and energy to circulate with that red phoenix energy, with that green dragon energy that stays and holds the chi in. So a fence line is perfectly fine in front, but you do not want to overbuild it and block the entrance to your home or um, you know, block out that beneficial energy. So if you do live in a large home that is perhaps gated, you just wanna make sure you have a big enough space, like a yard, or remember what we call the Ming Tong, to collect and again, circulate the energy through your space. So just consider that when you're putting a fence in the front of your property. Again, if you have a large space, it'll be more in proportion to the, um, you know, that the house. And so you won't really have to worry about maybe putting up a gated fence that you drive into. I know some people do have those. 
But again, considering the proportion, if you have a very large yard, very large driveway and space around your home, then this is okay. So after considering our celestial guardians, one thing we consider also is the sitting of the home. So a lot of people know the eight mansions formula, and that is based on the way your home sits, at least your home formula is. So you may know you have a con house or a coon house or a lee house, right? So depending on the way your house sits and is oriented on the land, and if there is an overtowering wall or a really big wall, it can create some issues. And some of those issues could include Fire. Fires are a really big key indicator that something negative has been activated. Um, loneliness or be, being alone, like not not being able to have a relationship or maintain a relationship. Theft, injury, accidents, issues with your pregnancy, and drowning of a member of a family. So um, unfortunately, this is something that can be assessed after the fact. When a negative feature is outside your space, it is not really a matter of if it's going to happen, it's kind of a matter of when things will occur. And generally that occurs when a bad or negative flying star comes in. So what happens is that this negative flying star um, will come in and affect the bad form or the bad attacking energy in that space, what is called the shachi or an attacking energy. A bad flying star like your two or your five flying star comes in and it displays negative attributes and could make the family member sick or, you know, could create fire and all these other issues. So again, a general good rule of thumb is don't overbuild a ridiculous wall on your property. Another thing to consider is not building a window inside your fence. So a big window in your fence is supposed to be very negative. So I will say I have a small little window for my doggies on one of the sides of the fence and it seems to be just fine. But if you have a large window and you're able to just see straight in your yard, especially at the back of your property, you're still gonna be leaking out and not being able to collect and hold on to your wealth. Remember your wealth is held in by the backing and support that is behind you in your home. And that tortoise or that celestial guardian, that tortoise energy, right? So. We're going to want to make sure that your back fence line is covered. If you put a window in, make it a small little window for the dog and don't put in like a bunch of little windows either. That's supposed to be fairly negative. So what about fences on a empty piece of property? Say you want to come in and build a home and uh, you of course need a fence line. So the rule of thumb is you are not supposed to put a fence inside the property before you place a house there. So everything needs to be built ahead of time. Your home needs to be built and then you put in your fence line. If you build a fence first, this is known as being trapped. So the cheer energy is actually trapped within the property and it's like it cannot circulate into your home. So build the home first, then you put the fence line in. One other big red flag is to have your home facing a fence line and the fence line is really high, particularly in the middle of the property. So you're looking out, your house is facing out and you have a fence line that is very high, particularly in the middle or center that's facing your property. This can actually indicate that uh, just a lot of issues and setbacks in life. Um, it can include like eye issues, legal issues, disputes, and again, a fire. 
considering now the type of material you want to build your fence line out of, right? That might be your question. What can I build my fence out of? Like, what could I use? And what should I not use? And for me, I'm going to answer that. I really think it's okay for you to use different types of material for your fence lines. If you like wrought iron spikes, I think that's okay. As long as they're not pointing towards your home, you do want to make sure that the brick part is higher than your waist. So if you're installing a stone fence, I think I said knee earlier and I, I may be wrong. Uh, that I said that, but I want to say, I thought, I think I said knee. You want to make sure the fence is higher than your waist, um, especially if you're installing some stone and things like that. So make sure you just make the fence line higher than that, but you can build it out of stone. You can build it out of wood, you know, whatever. Um, and I, there may of course be different opinions on that, but that's for me personally, that's my take on it. And that's my opinion on it. So again, let's be careful that we're not freaking ourselves out. And I know some of those things I described earlier sound a little bit scary, but I think really what I want people to be aware of is things around our environment 100% affect us. They're so impactful to us, especially our external environment. And when we have negative features, you know, it doesn't just have to be a fence line. It could be different negative external features. When that comes in and then we have a negative energy also aggravate that, then we'll feel the impact of it. That's what I want you to be aware of. So don't freak yourself out. If you have a giant fence somewhere, you know, maybe it's something you want to work on, but don't freak yourself out, but really take note of what, how you're feeling and what's going on in your life and whether that's a theme for you. And if you feel like that can improve your space to change some of those lines around our home. Um, let's go now to a word from our sponsor and our Folklore Friday segment. Folklore Friday, let's discuss one of the greatest fences in the history of the world, the Great Wall of China. Today, reading from discoverywalks.com, top 10 facts about the Great Wall of China. The Great Wall of China is estimated to be about 2,300 years old. It is in the list of the seven wonders of the world. It was named the Great Wall as a collective name for a series of walls that were built along the historical northern borders of China. The wall was built to protect and unite territories of Chinese states and empires against various nomadic groups. The wall is made up of stone and earth and it stretches from the Chinese seaport of, forgive me if I say this horribly, Shanghaiquan into Gansu province. The wall was built to overlap in some strategic sections of the wall for maximum security. The Great Wall of China become a, became an UNESCO World Heritage Site in December of 1987, and the wall is the longest man-made structure in the entire world with a total length of about 13,170.7 miles. Fact number one, the Great Wall was built for more than 1,800 years. Isn't that crazy? When Emperor uh, Hong took over the neighboring territories in 221 BCE and made it into the Qin Dynasty, he started constructing a 5,000-kilometer wall to protect his newfound territory. It was a common feature to have walls erected around Chinese territories to protect the citizens from enemy invasions. The walls date back to the 8th century BCE when barriers were put up to keep away some of the nomadic armies. 
Dynasties that took over the world will continue with the work to fortify the territories even more. And the Great Wall of China is largely credited to the Ming Dynasty that created the most recognized segments of the wall between the 14th and 17th centuries. Number two, the Great Wall of China is made up of several walls. Most people believe that the Great Wall of China is just one continuous wall, but the wall is made up of more than 20,000 kilometers of walls that stretch from the northern border of ancient and imperial Chinese territories. It's made up of walls that are seamless in different sections, and the sections were built by different dynasties over a period of time using stones and other substances. Number three, sticky rice was used in the construction of the wall. So the wall was built with stones and earth, but a more important part of construction was actually the glutinous rice. So the sticky rice was used as mortar due to its adhesive properties. And studies have shown that the sticky substance of the rice is behind the endurance and strength of the wall. It helped fix the bricks in place and held the bricks together so tightly that even grass and weeds didn't grow through it. Number four, convicted criminals were in charge of building the wall. So during the reign of the Qin Dynasty, the construction of the Great Wall was done by convicted criminals. They were also part of maintenance and surveillance teams. Also, they did have um, like they were in chains, but apparently they would mark them just easily recognizable by blackening their head and their faces. Those that were found guilty of homicide or tax evasion were punished by being sent to the wall. Kind of reminds me of Game of Thrones, right? <laughs> the, the outcasts go to the wall. <laughs> Same thing. So it was a dangerous affair and it was estimated that 400,000 people died during the construction of the wall. But remember that was over an 1800 year period. So, um, but still it's a, it's a very high number. And since the construction of the wall was so dangerous, we come to fact number five. Roosters were used to guide the dead to cross over. So after the loss of a loved one, the grieving family's fears of spirits would be trapped forever. And that is a big belief um, in some cultures that where you pass away, especially if it's tragic, you will haunt that spirit. You'll become a hungry ghost. They therefore strive to free them by crossing over the wall with a rooster in their hand. And they believe that the rooster would help trap the souls away from the wall and carry them to their afterlife and they would be set free. Number six, it actually is about the tourists. So it states here foreign tourists have been more drawn to the wall than Chinese tourists. It's a huge, huge tourist attraction for China. So it states here that the Great Wall of China is famous the world over. And of course, it's on the bucket list of anybody visiting China. The famous landmark began drawing attention of tourists in the 20th century to become an international attraction. The Chinese became interested in the wall's appeal around the 19th century after they had trade arrangements with other Asian and European countries. The traders that went to China would go back to their countries and tell tales of the wall, particularly the arts and print that are on the wall, which made the Chinese appreciate the wall very much. The most visited section of the wall is near Beijing, and the section receives almost 63 million visitors per year. It reaches a visitor flow of 70,000 people per day during peak season. That's insane. Fact number seven, parts of the wall were vandalized. 
So what you see today is around 13,000 miles long, approximately 13,171 miles long, but it is believed to be less than the peak of the wall during the Ming Dynasty when it was at its largest. So it does state that about 1,200 miles of the wall was destroyed due to vandalism um, and to make way for construction. So fact number nine, bricks from the wall were actually used to build homes. Part of the reason for the disappearance of some miles from the Great Wall is that during the time of the Cultural Revolution in China from 1966 to 1967, bricks were taken from the wall and used to build homes, farms, and reservoirs. So the former chairman of the People's Republic of China and the Red Guard saw the wall as a relic, but the materials would be better served instead of just holding this monument for more contemporary housing than it would be for a historical landmark. So um, interesting, right? <laughs> fact number 10, I think it goes kind of along with the fact that the wall was built over 1800 years, but the wall was built by several different dynasties. So when the construction of the wall began, it was built by three states that were fighting and it was later rebuilt by six other dynasties and then restored as a tourist attraction by the Chinese government. The wall authorization was done by the first emperor who died in 210 BC, long before the emergence of even the Mongols around 880. All right, guys, I hope you enjoyed the today's episode. For a free energy mapping of your floor plan, please check the link in the show notes. To support today's podcast, go to learnfengshui.com, sign up for emails, leave a review, and share with your family and friends.